you have, you have two options, lay down <laughs> or, or, or stand up and fight. And we decided to stand up and fight and create a new future for ourselves. And, and it, just, it just goes to show that you can build amazing things from rock bottom. And sometimes, and most often, that's the best starting point because you have a clean slate. You can now be creative and go do what you want to do. But it, it's a fight, man. And it, it, takes, it takes some time and some endurance. Hey, hey, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to episode 172 of Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I sit down with inspiring individuals to talk about big wins, tough moments, and everything in between. On the show, you can expect vulnerability, motivation, and candid discussions with everyone from top athletes and CEOs to aspiring entrepreneurs on what it really takes to follow your passions. My mission is simple, to inspire you to be your best self, move with intention, and have some fun along the way. For today's episode, I am chatting with James Lawrence. He's a triathlete and endurance athlete and better known to many as the Iron Cowboy. You'll find out why (laughs) very soon. He made headlines earlier this summer by doing something he called the Conquer 100, which involved him completing 101 Ironman distance triathlons in 101 consecutive days. Yeah, I know. Insane. He did it in Utah where his family is based. Uh, For those that are out of the loop, a Ironman distance triathlon includes a 2.4 mile swim, a 112 mile bike, and a full marathon, a 26.2 mile run. He did that for 101 days straight, raising money for a local charity called Operation Underground Railroad. Now, this is the second time that James has done something this outrageous, I will call it. Back in 2015, the father of five completed 50 triathlons in 50 days in 50 different states, all while averaging less than five hours of sleep per night in the process. This is, again, outrageous, unbelievable. In today's episode, he gives me so much of the how, how he sets himself up for success to undergo these crazy feats, the team that is involved, the support that is necessary. And we also bring it back. You know, we talk about the devastating hurdle moment that James and his family suffered in 2008 when they lost absolutely everything in the recession, including their house. He talks about making ends meet at one point, moving the seven of them into a one bedroom apartment and all the different activities and things that they learned to do together as a family that cost absolutely nothing because it's what they had to do. Of course, we segue into how he used sport to get through this difficult time. And there's no doubt that the through line in this entire conversation is that with determination and grit, anything is possible. Now, keep in mind, I want to say this off the top. This is not me saying that the everyday athlete should just decide tomorrow they're going to do this amount of activity in this short of a period of time. James had an extensive team of experts and consultants, all whom worked with him to help him get him to his goal. So be careful out there with your big, crazy goals, but know that I support you in going after whatever it is that excites you, lights you on fire, the whole thing responsibly. Make sure if you aren't already signed up for the weekly hurdle newsletter that you click on in over to the show notes and do just that. I'd love to be in your inbox every Friday. And last week, if you follow along with me over on Instagram, my personal is at Emily Abadi and hurdles is over at hurdle podcast. You may have seen that I was answering a bunch of different questions. Well, I did not have time to get to all of those questions over the weekend, but if you are listening to this and you have a question for me, I would love nothing more than if you'd send me a voice message and I promise I will answer it on an upcoming episode of the show. To leave me a voice message, again, link is in the show notes. Nothing, dangerous to say this, nothing (laughs) is off limits. And with that, let's get to hurdling. (laughs) 
Today, I am chatting with James Lawrence. He's better known to so many as the Iron Cowboy. How are you doing today, James? <laughs> I am great. Thank you. I feel like right off the bat, I mean, people must ask you this all the time. Where does the nickname come from? Yeah, um, during the 2012 world record when we did uh, 30 official events through 11 countries, um, my kids were really little. Uh, I mean, we're talking, um, you know, 10 and under. And so um, triathlon's not a very great spectator sport. And so during the marathon portion, I'd wear a cowboy hat. Uh, so they could see me coming because we'd want that energy exchange um, and they'd been waiting all day to see dad. And so um, it just became this thing. And then the, the public kind of just started to call me the Iron Cowboy. I love that. I love that. So you just mentioned your kids, uh, you and you are based in Utah. How has been competing and mostly, I mean, competing in a sense with yourself, how has that been for your family? Yeah, it's interesting. They, I mean, my wife and I got into this when our two oldest daughters were really, really young. We have five kids and um, it's just been part of our lifestyle and who we are. And so, so they, they love it and uh, they, they think it's funny. I'm just dad to them, obviously. And, but I mean, it's just been who we are, what we are. My oldest daughter, Lucy is now 19 graduated and she kind of runs the business side of what we do and is really involved in the, and my other kids get involved any way they can um, when they're not with their friends or uh, I'm not too cool for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, this didn't just become a family operation overnight. You didn't just start running endless triathlons overnight. So let's bring it back here and talk about your foundations of getting into sport and when you started to get really active yeah i've always been active it's just been part of my lifestyle i actually grew up in canada i'm from calgary alberta played every sport i could in, in school and then gravitated towards uh wrestling and uh, i grew up a wrestler uh for six seven years eight years and then once you kind of get out of school and the structure of sports i wanted to find a new outlet and just started running with my wife and um, then we found triathlon together and it just became this fun lifestyle for us of getting outside. And if you've never been to Utah, it's awesome. Um, it's some, some great mountains, some great lakes and just a real cool outdoor scene. And uh, triathlon was on its big rise up and uh, we just raced and played every single weekend. And she's the person who signed you, signed you up for your first marathon, right? Yeah, she did. Uh, we kind of, she signed me up for a, a four mile fun run and I kind of struggled through it, didn't love it. Um, and she literally said, you're pathetic and signed me up for the Salt Lake City Marathon. And we ended up doing that. I hated that, uh, but then found <laughs> found triathlon and just really taught myself how to swim. I bought a new bike, um, just like a $400 special, um, but then realized I just really gravitated toward it and loved it. And um, now, now just like it, it, it engulfs our life and it's part of who we are. Anyone who hears the sentence, my wife signed me up for a marathon. Like so many people that would be like a marriage ending yeah, <laughs> circumstance. Yeah. <laughs> you know, since then, everything's obviously escalated and it's kind of what we do full time. And so when, uh, when she gets a little, uh, you know, done with what we're doing. I'll just say, Hey, this is your fault. You started it all. <laughs> you started it all. So your affinity for endurance training, um, a la the marathon, and then eventually, uh, the Ironmans, this came out of a really difficult time in your life. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, like a lot of America, we, we ended up going through the 2008 real estate mortgage crash. Um, and we were in the center of it because we owned a mortgage company. <laughs> and, uh, and so little kids, mortgage company, and in 20, you know, real short period of time, your life gets turned upside down. And on the daily policies are changing and you don't have any control over it. And then literally overnight, everything crashes and you have to try to figure things out, pick yourself up. We ended up losing everything, lost our home, our, everything. And uh, it was it was kind of a blessing to have 
of that happened now looking back on it right when you're in the middle of something it sucks <laughs> but then when tragedy strikes and if you fight and persevere you can learn a lot of lessons and grow from it which is what we ultimately did and it put us on this totally different path than, than we were on and it's completely uh, blessed and edified our lives i feel like when someone hears the sentence uh we lost everything we lost our home they say okay but then what what happened then so what happened for you and your family when you lost your home what did you do yeah, um, we had uh, a good circle of influence. We found a little one bedroom place that the seven of us crammed into. We had a little tiny fireplace and a buddy of mine had uh, uh, access to some coal and we put the coal in there and to keep us warm in the winter here. I mean, it was just, uh, we just tried to make the best of it and really start picking ourselves up. And really the only thing you can do is fight. Um, you have you have two options: lay down <laughs> or, or or stand up and fight. And we decided to stand up and fight and create a new future for ourselves. And and it just it just goes to show that you can build amazing things from rock bottom. And sometimes and most often that's the best starting point because you have a clean slate. You can now be creative and go do what you want to do. Uh, but it's it's a fight, man, and it takes it takes some time and some endurance. In that scenario being the father to these children, husband to your wife, having to show up and like be really strong for you when you were dealing with your feelings about it. How did you find that strength to show up for your family? Yeah, I, th I think it's hard if you were just uh, single by yourself to, you know, you're the only one you're responsible for. But when you have others that are relying on you, it really helps you to go, okay, this isn't just about me. There's other people involved here. And I've, I brought these kids into this world and we have a responsibility as parents to kind of make sure that they're okay. And so that was, becomes a massive driving force. Um, as parents, you've got these little people that really, they don't, they don't, they can't fend for themselves and, and they, they can't go out and get a job. I mean, you're talking about little, little kids. Um, and so we just did what we could to make their lives as comfortable and fun as, as we could make it. What were the moments of fun? Where did you seek fun at this time that you may have not sought it previously? Oh man, great question. Uh, we would just go outside and go for walks and do little adventures. And um, we had a little tiny trampoline that the, the kids played on all the time. And we'd we'd go out and sleep on the trampoline at night or, you know, we couldn't, we didn't have a car. And so we would just like do adventures around the house and outside. Um, again, we live in Utah and it's beautiful. And so you can always escape up into the mountains for free and get outside. And that's actually interesting while I was on my bike ride today, because post um, the, the big project we just did, I've been suffering with some depression and sadness and it's situational, but for me, I was like, it's so important to get outside and active and doing something. And I, and I just thought it's tragic for those individuals that don't, can't get outside because all what you start doing is you start um, isolating yourself, which is never a good thing. And then you start, you know, having these conversations with yourself, which is never a good thing. And you're, you're not outside breathing fresh air and you're not like seeing the elements out there and, and like connecting yourself with the earth. And, and that's a huge thing to do. So I like I love to get out and escape on my bike and it's really helped my mental state um, because the worst thing you can do is isolate yourself, stay home and things just start to spiral and you start to focus on the darkness and the negativity and whatnot. And, you know, so really get outside. And, and that's what helped us in that really difficult time was like, look, getting outside is free. And you start focusing and realizing there's so much greatness out there instead of sitting at home and focusing on everything that's going wrong and, and, and not having that, you know, that release or those endorphins come in. It's so important. I can really sympathize with your sentiments of coming down from such a large event and not knowing, you know, what's the next right quote unquote, right thing I should be doing? And how am I going to do something as epic as the thing I just did? And, you know, weighing other people's maybe thoughts or unsolicited opinions into what you do next, like, it can feel just like so much that come down. Well, it was amazing, because we just did a huge project, like I said, and it, the project was a quarter of a year. And so it was literally all consuming with what we were doing myself, my team, my family, and then to come off it and then the, the, the public is just was so involved with the journey. They loved it and they craved it every single day. But then immediately after we completed it and were successful, they were like, hey, what's next? 
And I'm like, oh, hold on, like, I need a minute to process what just happened. And then you're, you're so hyper-focused on one thing for such a long time that when you're asked to, or when you do stop doing it, it becomes very difficult because I, I was so, so one goal oriented and focused that it ended and I'm kind of walking around my house going, well, now what? I don't, I don't know what to do. That was my identity for so long. And now I'm in a state of confusion and the hormones are all messed up because of the physicality of what we did. And then the massive mental drain for, for doing, you know, 140 miles a day for, for a quarter of a year. And so you just come out of that and you're, you're confused, you're disoriented, there's sadness, there's depression, there's pressure from sponsors and all these things and media. And it was just this crazy whirlwind that happens after such a big thing. And, and it's hard. And I understand and have empathy for those big life moments that you're talking about. And then just this massive letdown. And I, I've done big things in my career, but this one was just so big and for such a long period of time that it really hit me. Yeah. And, and I've, I've, I've struggled. I mean, we're only two months removed from the accomplishment and, and it it's, it's been really, really hard. Yeah. And so the accomplishment that we're talking about here is what you called conquer 100. It was actually 101 triathlons in 101 consecutive days. Now, again, you don't just start doing something like this on a whim overnight. You've been doing this for a long time. So let's actually rewind. And if you could even recall now, perhaps how you felt after completing your first triathlon distance, because uh, I think that statistic that I've read before is something like 1% of people complete a triathlon, a proper triathlon distance. Yeah. So, so just for the, the general public, um, <laughs> a triathlon is anything swim, bike, run, and then there's four standard distances. There's a sprint, an Olympic, a half and a full. And the full is the, the Ironman branded type distance. So it's kind of been brought to the forefront because of their, their great job at marketing. But it's swim, bike, run. And I started just with that sprint triathlon, that lot of fun, takes an hour to do. You can go with your family. It's local. It's explosive. Um, and I loved it. I did it for years. Um, but and then slowly you get to where you tackle the longer distances and now you're bringing in you know longevity and endurance and strength and nutrition and pace and just all of these things that go into figuring it out and as you start to do them you want to better yourself and what you did and it's not about the other people on the court okay I have to figure out how to swim, bike, run, keep myself mentally sound and going. You're talking about an event that you have 17 hours to complete. I mean, that's a long time to be doing physical activity. And so the, the full distance where the one that we did the 100 in was a 2.4 mile swim, a 112 mile bike ride, and then a full marathon run. And so that's 140.6 miles. And you, you just said like less than 1% of the population does a marathon, let alone the full iron distance triathlon. And so I talk about you can't go from zero to 100 um, off the couch. Like it takes a long time to gain that experience and knowledge to be able to do and tackle on, tackle something like a full distance triathlon. And so over my career, we've slowly gained that knowledge and experience to be able to wake up one day and even conceptualize the hundred. And then, and then, you know, beginning part of 2021, March 1st through June 8th, we, we did tackle it and we, we, it was awesome. But this um, wasn't, this, uh, this wasn't the first time that you set out to do something like completely outrageous like this. Uh, so what about the, what about the 50, 50, 50? Yeah, the, the 50 is kind of what put us on the map. And we'd broken a couple of Guinness World Records before that, but that was all learnings, all experience to get to where we could do it. And when we announced the 50, which was 50 full distance uh, triathlons in 50 consecutive days, but then do it in one in every state. And so we were in a new state every single day. So you've got massive travel, massive logistics, total chaos. And then trying to execute something physically and mentally that everybody said was impossible. And the, we have a documentary. It's out on Amazon Prime. It's called The Iron Cowboy. Um, but that was an unbelievable journey. And again, my kids were 6 to 12 in age. And we all crammed into a motor home. And we literally whirlwinded the country to do this. Um, and then that's how 
really the the hundred came to be because for the last five six years I've, I've toured around, spoken in forty eight different countries. We've written our books, and um, I've just realized that like people are stuck mentally, and they they don't know how to 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 really break through barriers. And so I was like, okay, I want I want to showcase what is possible mind, body, and spirit if you remove chaos. Because if the 50 is like chaos, confusion, logistics, what happens if we can remove some of that? Do we have the chance or is it possible to double what everybody thought was impossible and do 100 consecutive? So we decided to do it all here in Utah, remove a lot of the chaos and logistic environments, and then truly find out, okay, is the mind, is the body capable of 140.6 miles for a quarter of a year, which is 100 consecutive days? Wow. And we found out. <laughs> and we found out. Well, back to the 50 for just one more second. So in completing that uh, two-part question, one, did you feel the same uh, kind of, we're talking about this malaise that we're in right now post-event after uh, the 50 as you did with the 100? That's the first part of the question. And then the second part of the question is immediately after the 50, did you know that you were going to have to do something outrageous again? <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. I thought, you know, I I set it after the 50 and I set it after the 100, like I'm completely satisfied with that effort. And um, I didn't experience the same letdown, sadness, and depression that I did um, off the 100, off the 50, because just sheer duration of time and mileage and compounding uh, damage on my body. So if you take the 50 just as its time frame and mileage, it was seven weeks and it was uh, 7,000 miles. Well, you double that, you're talking 14 weeks and you're talking 14,000 miles of self-propelled movement through effort. And so just that compounding effort day after day after day, you get into a state where your mind is trying to protect yourself from the chaos, from the trauma. And it, it, you, don't, you don't go from you know today to tomorrow, I went from chaos to protection, you slip into this state. And then you don't even realize you're in that state until you come out of it after the 101 days. And then your body, your mind says, okay, I'm going to now let you feel what I've been powerfully hiding from you. Mm. And, and it, because of the duration of it, it was, it was intense coming out of it where I didn't feel that off the 50 because it was, I know seven weeks is a long time to do something, but it was only seven weeks compared to the 14 weeks of, of the hundred. And with the, with the 50, we, we were swept away immediately into speaking and, and media and all of that. And the, the 100, um, we shut everybody out because we needed to regroup as a family. And it was just so intense that we needed to shut it down. And, and those two things that we did differently really impacted how we were physically and mentally. But I just had to recover. Yeah. I mean, so from the 50, what did you learn about your own recovery? Uh, let's start with during the effort, because I'm sure right off the bat, you started to understand that you may need things that you weren't even prepared for to be able to continually day after day go through that effort. Yeah. And it's so hard to recover when you have no time to recover. You recover with time <laughs> and time off. Yeah. Right? So you need, you need both those things. And during these types of challenges where it's every single day, you don't get to take a day off. You now have your preparation becomes so pivotal because you have to over prepare knowing that you just have to figure out how to hold on. And you, we do a lot of little things in order to um, give ourselves the best chance um, with diet and supplementation and tools. And I mean, we do, we do red light therapy and we do hyperbaric chamber and we do chiropractor, we do deep tissue, we do, um, supplementations for our, uh, cells. And I mean, just all these things that we do at a high level, I always say, look, there's not one thing that we do that separates us from everybody else. The secret to success is doing a lot of little things consistently over a long period of time. And that's what most people aren't willing to do. They're not willing to do all of the little things that, that make the difference, then they're not willing to do them consistently so they can feel the effects of those. Well, I think the problem in that and the reason why people don't do them, right, is because they don't feel the, it's not like an instant 
instant gratification thing. Like it's like you need to get into some sort of a habit or you need to create some sort of a routine so that you can feel the cumulative effects of all of these yep. small things that can better you in the long run. Yeah. And people aren't willing to do that. They want to take a drug that makes them superhuman right now that heals them for tomorrow. And you, for, for long-term success, you just can't do those types of things. You've got to do things and allow your body to adapt and evolve over time. I mean, it's, it's just how you have to do it to be successful with these types of projects. Did any of the recovery tactics that you started to use completely like kind of blow you off your feet in terms of you didn't expect them to help you as much as they did? Um, it, that's a t really tough one to quantify because we do a lot of little things consistently. Right. Right. And so it's, it's hard, it's hard to say, okay, this one made the biggest difference and this one did. And when you're, when you're at a level to where you're, you're just performing at such a high level, those micro micro adjustments that you, you know, th that we make in our training and recovery, you don't feel them immediately or you can't like quantify, okay, this did this or this did this because you're doing such a great job and executing at a high level. And so it's very easy for somebody to go on like a new supplement or whatnot when they're coming off the couch, when their baseline is so terrible and you can see a big drastic difference like this is making a difference in my life but like when you're top level like an olympian or the top of your game in in whatever sport you're doing it's really hard to see those big gains and changes because your your body is already performing at such a high level mm. but i know through experience that all of these little things are making a difference it's just hard to see yeah because because they're just, you're already performing right and you're you've already done put so much effort and and time into getting to that point that it becomes hard to, to quantify those small little things as you started to travel the country after the 50 and do the speaking engagements and share more of your story was there a time during that period that you ever started to feel a little bit of imposter syndrome or were you like this is 100 percent my purpose i am so like this is i am in i'm all in no worries i'm good well, I'm, I'm an introvert. Um, and, and so, and I'm good on stage too. So it's really weird. And it doesn't bother me to get up on stage and talk to big crowds. But when I, when someone who knows me sees me on stage, they're like, who, who the crap was that? Every time my, my speaking bureau books me an event, I get like nervous and be like, oh crap, I got to go do that. But then once I get on stage, it is a lot of fun. My story is my story. And I tell it all the time. And I've had people see me on a couple of different stages and they were like, oh man, I loved the way you changed that part of the story. And I was like, I didn't change it. You're just in a different part of your journey and something re different resonated with you. And so that's, what's really interesting for me is we appeal to a massive audience because you're either at the start of your journey in the middle of your journey or the end of your journey or somewhere in between. And our story covers an entire journey. And so at some point in time, you get engaged with that part of what we're what we're what we're doing. And so that that's a lot of fun for us too. I love as you're talking about your experiences and traveling, you keep using the we and the are and recognizing that this really is truly just such a family effort. I'd be curious to know uh, along the way, perhaps not just yet up to the 100, but along the way, the 50, obviously traveling throughout the United States with everyone, were there hiccups or moments where you started to ask yourself, like, what am I putting my family through? Like, are we really going to keep doing this? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Especially when they're super young and your wife's pulling her hair out and I'm, I'm doing my thing and she's responsible to entertain the kids um, because, you know, we, we, we discuss our roles and we know, you know, each have a very important role in order to keep this thing moving. Um, and when it gets chaotic and things aren't going as planned and you're bootstrapping things and things start to go wrong and you've got to make sacrifices. And so, yeah, it becomes very difficult and challenging. Um, you, you know, we're not talking about, one athlete in the dynamic of just okay what are my needs and my you know uh what do i need in order to keep moving it's like okay there's seven of us and it's okay what are my wife's needs and what are my kids needs and i've got four teenage girls right now and a son and so they're all very not demanding but they all have different needs and wants and as a parent it you know we've got five different parenting styles because each one of our kids is very unique and it's so fun to see that like these individuals came from the same two people i mean we've been married we're going on 21 years um but it's just so fun being a parent 
And, um, but yeah, it is hard in these types of challenges. Um, and I always say, look, when you're putting together a team, um, don't look at someone's resume, don't look at someone's great moments or their highlights, go find out how that person performs under stress, fatigue, and exhaustion. Because that's who you want on your team when that person's performing at their worst, because everybody's great when they're great. I mean, that's easy. It's how great are you when you're like broken? That That's the team you put together. And our family works really good, exhausted, broken. We are just problem solvers and we figure it out and we keep moving forward. And that, that that's when being a team or a family is a lot of fun knowing a thousand percent, every single one of them has my back and they know I've got their back. I've heard that saying a ton of times. It's like, you can do good times with anyone, but it's like, who can you do those bad times with? For sure, for sure. Well, so are you traveling around the country for that? Uh, I almost called it an experiment. I feel like of sorts it was, but were you traveling around the country in an, in an RV? For which? For 50. Oh, for 50. Yeah, every day was, yeah, we were in an RV. So the you know, we had to get to the next state. And so the, the wingman, we called them, our, they were the two guys on our team. They would drive throughout the night um, while I was trying to get any sleep I could and get my body and therapy worked on and get food in me. Uh, but the entire team was exhausted because it was a moving caravan. We had multiple vehicles to move. We had team, we had equipment, we had everything. I mean, it was, we still had to do a full distance try every single day. And that takes a lot of effort and a lot of moving pieces. It took a lot of volunteers across the country and every state that helped us with the area that we were in. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun to see the country just kind of come together for one cause, both when we did the 50 and the 100. I mean, the community that came out and we, we on the 100, we, we raised, you know, over $250,000 for um, Operation Underground Railroad, which is trying to solve the problem and save humans from current day slavery and sex trafficking. Yeah, And so we always attach a charitable component to what we're doing, which makes it even more meaningful um, for our family and our team to be able to to be able to raise those funds for those for those causes, because there's truly people out there that are suffering that don't know when their suffering is going to end. And if we have a chance to help and make an impact on that, like we realize that our lives are inc incredibly blessed and we have an opportunity where we can impact other people's lives. And so that's become a driving force for us as well. How did you decide on that particular charity for the hundred? Because I know previously you had worked with others in the past. Yeah, we kind of we kind of pick a different theme uh, for each one of the big campaigns that we do, and it, it all hinges around where we are at that time in our lives. And when we did the fifty, we did it for um, childhood obesity, and we had really young kids, and I was involved with the school system, and you could see, okay, this is a problem, because um, when I went to school, I. I could still name today like the two or three overweight kids in my class. Well, now it's more than 50% of the class that is struggling with this. And that's a very big problem. And so that was really in our face. And so we we're like, okay, can we make an impact there? And then now that I've got four teenage girls and it's a Utah charity that was um, heading this up and, and a, just a great cause. And it was just kind of in our face. And my wife had a big passion for it. And she's like, look, we need to, we need to do our piece here to try to save these humans. And uh, so we just got behind the, the charity here, um, did, did a ton of research on them and was really happy with the partnership. And you mentioned kind of where the thought process came from when it came to concepting the idea of a hundred and a hundred. When you first said this out loud. Well, was it you that first said this out loud or was it someone else on your, on your team, AKA in the fam? <laughs> no, it was, it was definitely me. Um, you know, they, they're satisfied. <laughs> they're, they're complete. <laughs> you know, four teenage girls, they've got jobs, they've got school, they've got friends, they've got dances, they've got, boy, you know, all these things. And so that was, that was the biggest thing when we came up with, with the hundred um, or I came up with the hundred and kind of presented it to the family is they were like, okay, well, I love the fact that you want to control the environment and you want to do the whole thing here in Utah because we can't displace our family at this time in our lives for a quarter of a year, um, especially coming out of the pandemic and there was a lot of confusion and everything. And so, so really it was the best decision for our family because we didn't have to displace our kids. They got to do their normal lives and be with their friends, but still got to be involved at a high level with what I was doing. And so it was, it was, it was really, really great. So talk to me about what the training looks like for an undertaking like this. Yeah, it's, um, it's a full-time job. Um, and, and, and it takes a lot of support from sponsors um, with equipment and product uh, and just everything we can. 
um, to, to make it work. We're doing a lot of damage in our bodies. You know, we're, do, we're training 40 plus hours a week, plus the recovery time that it takes, plus all the therapy that needs to be done. Plus we run a business on the side. And so there's, there's a lot to it. Obviously we do a lot of swimming, a lot of biking, a lot of running, but then you've got to train the mental side of stuff. You've got to do the therapies. Like I mentioned, we've got to do strength training because with this type of project, you know, if you look at pictures of me, I'm not a, like I carry more weight than your average endurance athlete. And it's because I know once we start, I'm going to wither away and I have to be very durable. So we do, we do a lot of strength training. Supplements become super important. Um, we, we get, we're releasing a ton of free radicals. And so antioxidants become important. We, we partnered with a company called MitoQ and they have a great product that really works on the cellular level. And as an athlete, those types of things become pivotal. Our bike sponsor, Fazari, becomes instrumental in what we're doing. The red light therapy, the hyperbaric chambers, um, all the swim equipment that we need. I mean, it just becomes this huge team and undertaking um, just during the training process. There's three phases, right? There's training, there's execution, and then there's post and recovery and each one of those demands a different respect and effort in order to get it right um, and, and if you don't get any of those right it's detrimental to one your career your lifestyle but your health overall how does someone feel the night before they're going to execute so when you started off you were going to do 100 and then you decided to tack on the extra one yeah we didn't make that decision until like three days before you were like why not just go why not just go for the extra well i'll get into that i'll, I'll <laughs> I'll just quickly cover why we did that. But, you know, the, the eve of a, a, an enormous task like that, um, you are excited because you're about to start something cool. You're, you're nervous because there's the unknown. You don't know what it's going to be. Um, but generally, it's overall excitement. You've got adrenaline. You've got the media. You know, it's this big thing. And you finally get to the start of it. And so the, the start is always cool because you've got a ton of adrenaline, a, a ton of um, support. It's the, it's the middle part of a quarter of a year project that becomes hard because the excitement's worn down. People have either tuned out for a little bit because you're in the middle part of it and it's not close enough to the end and you're past the start, the, the exciting start. Um, and so th those, I call them the, the, the blue collar worker days in the middle because it's when the work gets done where nobody's really paying attention and watching. And it's, it's, kind of the most important part because you can't get to the finish line without that kind of real grinding middle where nobody's watching and that's kind of way it is in life and business and relationships there's always going to be those like blue collar grind them out moments that aren't exciting and uh, but are pivotal on our journey to get us to where we are so we can have those exciting moments those finish lines those celebrations those you know all of that stuff and so th those are important days um and then we were we were less than a week from finishing the goal successfully 100 and i said to myself i need to do one more and um as a as a speaker as an author and whatnot i, I have a core set of values and principles and and one of them is we can always do more even when we think we're broken even when we're defeated or even when we've celebrated and we've reached the finish line you have more in you even when you think you're broken and and i really i don't i don't like it when a mentor or a coach is not speaking from experience they haven't done it and they're just telling somebody else's story or a collaboration or something right and so i felt that it was really important that i i had to go out and do one more we'd reached the goal we'd accomplished it we had celebrated and i was broken and I got up the next day and I still got on the water. I did the 2.4 mile swim. I got on the bike, I did the 112 and then we ran another 26.2. And sometimes in our lives, when you are broken, you're defeated, it is dark. Sometimes you have to get up and do one more on your own because you are in the middle of that journey. And so I just really wanted to set the best example. I wanted to lead from the front that said, I am broken and I am going to get up and I don't want to, but I'm gonna get up and I'm gonna do one more today. Taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my sponsor at Inside Tracker. When you do what you love, like running or racing or enjoying the great outdoors, 
you want to do it for life, right? So Inside Tracker can help. Inside Tracker was founded in 2009 by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. Using their patented algorithm, Inside Tracker analyzes your body's data to provide you with a clear picture of what's going on inside and to offer you science-backed recommendations for positive diet and lifestyle changes. It's been really, really helpful for me. I've been feeling a little sluggish a few months back during my runs. And, and I knew that it was a little bit more than just like the typical, oh my God, it's so hot out here. What am I doing situation? So after doing Inside Tracker, including a mobile blood draw and a DNA swab, I was able to get important insight as to what was really going on with me and my body, which happened to be a little bit low iron, actually. And then I adjusted my diet and training to be able to go better after my health and wellness goals, which right now, you've been following along involve me making my way to London to run a marathon and then following that up about a month later with a go at New York. Inside Tracker tracks your progress every day, every step of the way toward reaching your performance goals and living a longer, healthier life. For a limited time, hurdlers can get 25% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just head on over to insidetracker.com slash hurdle. No code necessary. Again, that is Inside Tracker, I-N-S-I-D-E-T-R-A-C-K-E-R.com slash hurdle. I listened to a podcast episode that you did where you talked about how as the time went on, uh, some of the execution wasn't exactly how you had hoped it to be. Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, th this project, because of the duration of it and because of the amount of volume we were doing physically, naturally uh, injury crept in and it, it becomes very difficult in that moment to perform at a high level when you're dealing with an injury you're trying to manage that you're trying to heal yourself while doing physical activity because the goal is 100 right that's the expectation that's what you've come out and said you've got a, people around the world watching you thousands at a time um, tuning in and you're known as a person who sets a goal accomplishes it and doesn't quit and so in those moments when we're dealing with injury and we're trying to figure out how to continue it becomes very difficult because you know you're not performing at the level that you are capable of but you're currently dealing with some limiters that aren't allowing you to do it and we have to you know we have to show patience and we have to show, you know give it time um all the same time you have to still get out there and do and so it was a really interesting time in the campaign when we were dealing with some of the peak times of injury that we had to execute patients we had to slow down and see the big picture and, and do what we could as a team in order to get me to the other side of those injuries so that we could continue because we wanted to have an impact we wanted to raise money for the charity and all of that stops if i'm sidelined or i have to quit two things one I think many would argue that even if you made it to, and I know from our brief time together that there's no way that you really were going to decisively quit unless you were physically removed. But uh, even if you were to make it to 55, 60, 75, that the good that you were doing was exemplary and you know better than no good at all. So I'll just say that. But what I will follow that up with is the sentiment that um, for you, as these modifications, so to speak, had to start creeping in, where were you mentally? That's my question. Yeah, first I'll say this, we we achieved our fundraising goal by by 50, by halfway. Love to hear it. And and then every single day, you're breaking a new world record. And so we, we had a, a really intense, bad bike crash on day 59. Mm. And, and nobody would have faulted me for not showing up on day 60 because it was a violent crash. We'd broken the world record. We had exceeded our fundraising goals. But to me personally, I said I was going to do 50. And so in my mind, I was like, I, I am physically capable. It's going to hurt. It's going to be uncomfortable. But I'm physically capable of getting in the water and going through the next couple of weeks, which is going to be a recovery process from this crash. But I, I know I can do this. And I would hate myself if I quit in this moment, knowing I, I'm still capable. It's just going to be painful and uncomfortable. And it was it was easy for me because once in big projects, I do, I go all in. 
to me, that's, that's what it is. You make a commitment, you go, and you sometimes you have to make adjustments and it's, it's not the way you want it to, but it is still moving the project forward. Um, and, and, and that's the big goal, but mentally it's hard. And I would always say to myself, okay, um, I'm in pain, I'm uncomfortable, I don't wanna do this anymore, but is the next step gonna kill me? And if the answer came back as, as no, then I would have, I, I would keep moving. And so mentally, I just had to ask myself one question. Is the next step going to kill me? Is the next pedal stroke going to kill me? If the answer was no, then I had no other choice because there was no other good excuse to quit other than death, <laughs> right? Because, because if I die, I remove myself from my family. I'm no, I can no longer provide. They lose their father. That's not a good scenario. My wife right. loses her husband. That's not what anybody he wanted and it never got to that point and so the question was always is it going to kill me and the answer is no okay i'll keep moving i'll keep moving so um as the again uh the modification modifications creep in i know uh at different times you had to maybe like split it up a little bit more than you would have liked so talk to me about were you the person that was making the calls as to how you would change the execution or was that a bigger conversation with your team i know you went from running to uh incorporating some more walking in those marathon distances as well was always big picture and um the team and i have been doing this for a long time and it got, it, they know that i get exhausted i sometimes aren't, i'm not thinking clearly uh because it's a physical in, in, endeavor your, your mind starts to go once you do hit exhaustion and i have given full trust to my team and mostly my wife to where she will make decisions for me and i've learned that i have to to trust those and we'll battle and we'll we'll fight on some of those decisions and and ultimately i'll, I'll move over and 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 get in line with with what's happening because i it, it sometimes takes me longer than i want to <laughs> or that she wants me to but ultimately she's in a better space to make those decisions because one she knows me really well and two in these challenges i'm so physically beaten down we're both exhausted but she is less exhausted and can make probably better decisions than I can in those moments. And so it becomes this really um, important, pivotal game of trust. And then we have full trust as a team and we make those decisions as a team. As uh, the days go on, uh, there are different components of each day where different individuals are kind of taking part with you. Talk to me a little bit about how that experience was, the fact that not only were you supported by these individuals, but people were traveling from far and wide to be a part of this unbelievable mission of yours. Yeah, and I think that was one of the coolest unexpected pieces of this was one the community just really came out. Um, I, I was prepared to to do the hundred with just myself, my small team, and and go out there and execute, and then have some stories to tell. Um, and it was just always amazing for us to see one the local community that came out. But every single day during parts of the run of the ride, we'd get you know, oh, so and so is from Alaska, so and so is from Pennsylvania, so and so is from New York, and every single day we'd have people from all over the country. Um, come in and sometimes out of the country as well and pandemic made it hard for people to travel but on the the social media we had people joining us virtually from around the world um, and we've we've had merchandise and books orders from poland and iceland and just every time of this this re really bizarre country comes in um for an order we we kind of talk about as a family and the impact in the reach that that the journey we've been on is have and that's the biggest humbling thing is is we we just try to set the best example we can and in turn it's giving other people hope on their journey um which is which is why we continue to do what we do which is why we speak around the world which is why we film things which is why we post content which is why we write and all these things is because it's truly giving people hope um in their lives and the struggles that they're having I know at one point you thought that the best example that you could provide was kind of from an athletic standpoint, just performing at your top level constantly. Talk to me about the humbling experience that it was for you to learn that in order to exceed your own expectations and to succeed in your journey, that you would have to kind of dial that down a little bit to move forward and progress. Yeah, as an athlete and as someone who has expectations for greatness, you always want to be performing at a high level. And with the injuries that crept in and, and you know, circumstances, I had to slow down because we had to, you know, again, you've got to complete. It, 
it's probably just my opinion, but nobody cares if you do 60 when you say you're going to do 100. Nobody cares if you do 75 if you say you're going to do 100. And so in order to to do the 100 and do what you say you're going to do, sometimes you have to dial that back because you can't give 100% all the time. And with the injuries that came in, it, it became a huge blessing because I did have to walk on, on portions of the marathon. And it allowed people that wouldn't have been able to join me, join me. And we heard it every single day. I'm so grateful you're walking because if you weren't, I wouldn't be able to join you. I'm not at that level. And so my, my injury and my pain and my discomfort became a blessing for other people that wanted to join us that wouldn't have been able to. And so it kind of changed the dynamic of the journey um, and became a very special piece of it. I bet a lot of individuals uh, reach out, you know, via email, via DM, asking you for advice on that first step on I might not be in the place to ever think that I'm going to do a triathlon, but how do I just start moving? What do you tell them? Yeah, you just start because nobody starts a journey as the expert. Um, and, and I didn't on the journey that I was on. I, I have a hilarious picture that I, that I share um, in my very first triathlon where I'm literally hanging on the edge of the pool, gasping for air, wearing a nose plug um, with fear in my face. And I promise you, nobody would have looked at that guy and said, oh, that guy's going to go on and, and set, you know, sports endurance history. Um, but that, that's the reality is we all have a starting point in our journey. And if we wait till we're an expert to start, we're never going to start because you can't become an expert without getting knowledge and experience. And so my biggest advice to people is wherever you are right now, it's okay. And that's just where you are. And to be honest with you, it's your fault wherever you are, right? And you, we all have to come to grips and realization that this is our battle and we get to choose and fight every single day. And that's the whole point is just choose to start and you will gain knowledge and start slow, start easy. Don't go from zero to a hundred because success breeds success and confidence breeds confidence. And that's the only way to build momentum. And if you continually set these monster gigantic goals with no experience, you're going to fail immediately. And then you start to label yourselves and believe that you're a failure. And that's not true. Everybody's a successful winner. You just have to put yourself in a position to be the successful winner. And so set, your, set yourself up with small, manageable, attainable goals and start to get that momentum going but just start. It's got to be interesting for you now dealing with the bouts of depression, struggling through trying to figure out like exactly specifically, like, where am I going from here? Because you have the tools, right? Like I'm sitting here and I'm listening to you and I'm hearing all the stuff that so many people can't even tell themselves that they can't get to where you are. They're working to get to their, where they are and they need people like you to help them get there. But when you're the person that, you know, you know, but you're just struggling to get over that hurdle. Where do you look to aside from getting outside and getting on your bike and leaning into activity for the resources and the help that you need so that you can try to figure out that next step? Yeah, I think for me, it's important that I have my family here, um, my wife, my five kids. Um, I think the the pandemic slowing everything down is is a positive in my life personally, um, because it, it does give me an opportunity to have family time and, and put my focus and attention on them, which is brings joy to me. I mean, last night we played cards for two hours and then went out on a walk, uh, all of which costed us no money. <laughs> um, and, it, but it was, it was great for my mind and my soul to, to be able to do that. And so I just think it's important that if you can't, you know, do that, just, always search for for positive uplifting i mean the, the internet is so unbelievable and and I, I know social media takes a hard rap but there's a lot of good fun positive stuff on there and we get to choose how we interact with social uh social media and my, my wife she laughs all the time she's like um, my entire feed is is <laughs> i'll start with this my kids set up an instagram account for our dog and my wife is like, it's ridiculous. Don't start an account for the dog. And then she follows a ton of dog accounts because it's what makes her happy and cows make her happy. And so she follows all of these animal accounts. <laughs> and so I just, I just think, you know, social media does get a bad rep, but there's a lot of positivity, a lot of light. And uh, we just have to intentionally go seek out that positivity to get our minds right. Talk me through the final day. 101. Yeah. 
in the public side, 100 was the final day and it was chaos. I mean, thousands of people, a um, lot of noise, a lot of distraction, a lot of chaos, a lot of nerve nervousness for me. Um, you know, hundreds of people come out on the bike that we've never biked with before. And there's a Peloton and crashes are happening. And you're just like, I have to keep my wheels on the ground. And where's my team to protect me and all these things. And then you finish and it's like this massive sigh of relief uh, because you accomplish something that's over. And then in our minds and our team, nobody knows, but we're doing it again tomorrow and we have to do the celebration, but we got to quickly get back and regroup for tomorrow. And so it was this kind of like weird day where everybody thought we were done, but we weren't. And we didn't tell anybody about 101. We just went live on day the, the next day it was just me in the water and it went viral and, and it was a really cool experience because people were like okay he's he woke up he's going to give us a breakdown of how he's feeling and then it was me doing another one and so you know the the difference between 100 it was chaos it was thousands of people it was noise it was excitement and then 101 is more me it was on my terms it was our small little group nobody knew we were doing it we didn't disclose the run location um it was just our core you know team and, and friends who we've been on this journey with for a long time that's that was a special day for us and how we wanted to end that journey they were just very different between the two but it meant a lot for us to do that yeah i can't even i can't even imagine and it, it makes me uh question and want to ask during these gritty moments over the 101 days and specifically maybe even on this last day when things just feel like you are literally swimming, running, biking through mud, where does your head go aside from the, am I going to die with this next stroke mm -hmm. run step? Where does your head go? What is the, what are you telling yourself in these moments? Yeah. Just the, the realization that time is um, on our side or against us, depending on how you choose to utilize it. And for me, um, I knew that June 8th was gonna come and go, whether I showed up and did what I was doing or not. And once I realized that it was gonna come and go, because you know, when you're in the middle of something, it seems so crazy, so chaotic, like the 50, right? The 50 days in 50 states was so chaotic. And I kept telling myself, July 25th is gonna come keep showing up, keep getting in the water. And then all of a sudden five, six years passes and you're like, okay, time is going to keep moving. And so I knew during the hundred, I was like, yes, this is what we're doing. Yes. We're grinding. Yes. I'm in a lot of pain, but I know that June 8th is coming. Eventually it's going to get here and we will get through it. It's like the saying, this too shall pass. And it, it's true. As long as we stay and put our focus and attention where it needs to be, this too shall pass. It's when we don't show up and when we take ourselves out of the equation, that time is going to keep ticking. And now you have become a uh, bystander or um, spectator to everybody else accomplishing and deciding to show up. And so that was, that was for me, one of the things that I utilized when I was in those dark moments that said, okay, time's going to pass either way. And it was beautiful because I would have a really, really tough, difficult day. And I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know if I can do that again tomorrow. Like that was so mentally grinding. Like, I don't know if I can do it again tomorrow. And Sonny would always say, look, the work's done today. Let's just let the team help you. You've, you've done your job. We'll go to bed. We'll wake up tomorrow and face tomorrow with whatever it gives us. And so that was kind of the pattern. It was like, I've reached my breaking point, but I, I knew that if, if I kept moving, I'm eventually going to get to the finish line. Sometimes not in the time frame that I want to, but I'm eventually going to get there. And then once the work is done, reset, take the therapy that you need, process that moment, and then get up and fight another day. Right. Like do the best you can with what you have in exactly. these moments. So right now, someone goes to your social media page. If we're just talking Instagram, they see an uh, endurance athlete who has performed in these unbelievable, wonderful ways, raised so much money for charity, uh, father of five, devoted husband. When you look in the mirror, what is it that you see looking back at you? Mm, great question. Um, one, I see a father. Um, and, and a husband. Um, and two, I see a person that's still striving for their limits. I, I don't, I don't want to sit on my laurels. I want to take, I want to celebrate, but I want to take the knowledge and experience that we've had and apply it to other areas of my life. I think I've truly satisfied, and I know I've said this before, but I'm truly satisfied 
satisfied with with what we've accomplished and how we accomplished it i think the the hundred really showed uh who we are as a team what we're capable of the level at which we can execute um and and we removed any doubt or criticism um, that we'd ever received in the past um and and that was important to me to to um kind of reset history and and let people know we are who we said we were um, and I think that's very cool. And so for me, I just want to look in the mirror and, and say, you know what, I'm, I'm a person that does what I says I'm going to do. I'm a person that tries to set the best example I know how for my kids. And I'm a loving, devoted um, husband to my wife of 21 years. Have you thought about uh, maybe what the next thing could be? Yeah, you know what, I think I, I'm going down a, a road of, of biohacking the, the human mind and the body. And I think what's next for me is trying to figure out how to live a high quality of life uh, well into my hundreds. Love that. Love to hear that. Uh, right now, my friend, you have an opportunity to offer yourself, you know what? I've never done this before, but I think I'm going to do it here. You're in a pretty big life hurdle moment right now. You have done something that is so admirable and so wonderful. And in the process have done so much good through the, your charitable efforts, but as we spoke about at the top of this episode, like you're going through it. So if you were to take a step outside of yourself right now and give yourself one piece of advice in this hurdle moment, what is it that you think that you really need to hear? Yeah, just that um, I've done enough. Um, you're worth it. And just keep showing up consistently in in whatever capacity or direction that you take. Um, and you'll, you'll just always be enough. You'll always be enough. I'm so grateful for your time today, James. Thanks so much. How do the hurdlers keep up with you? How do they follow along with you? Give me all your details. Yeah. Um, anything that we do is on Instagram, um, iron cowboy, James, please follow us there. Um, and then any resources and courses and books and all that and merchandise is all on ironcowboy.com. Uh, so. Amazing. I'm over at Emily Abadi and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. Mm -hmm.